Learn how to manage your energy and grow your capacity in 10 minutes a day. If you've ever heard me talk about energetic time management, it's the core skill that I teach all my clients. I created this over 10 years ago when I was in the middle of recovering from stage four cancer. I had to figure out how to work, how to parent and take care of myself. And that's how ETM or energetic time management was born. And for a limited time, I'm going to be giving it away. Yep, you heard me correctly. I'm giving the actual skill and the step-by-step away to you. My, it's my ETM habit challenge. So head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N dot com forward slash E-T-M and use promo code podcast to get free access for a limited time. Are you a female founder obsessed with growing and scaling your business, but no longer do you want to do it at the expense of your health and the time you are spending with your family? Guess what? That is why I've created the Summer of Profit. I am taking on female founders and supporting them one-on-one this summer, showing them how to scale and grow their businesses and make them more profitable, not only in their bank account, but also with time and energy within one hour a day. If you commit to 60 minutes a day, I will show you how to grow and scale your business and allow it to be more profitable. Check out heatherchauvin.com forward slash summer. Join me or consider joining me for the summer of profit. I look forward to reading your application. Misha, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, Heather. I'm so glad we're doing this. I love right before I hit record. I'm like, be you. I'm excited to talk about the book, being brave, being human, mm-hmm. being all the things and, and the messy middle in between and just being emotionally uncomfortable. Yes. I mean, that's what it's all about to be brave, to actually feel our emotions yes. and to lay it out on the table. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so glad we're, we're diving in. Okay. So let's, um, I know we have like, I don't want to say missions in mind, but like, I love resiliency. I love mental health. I love all the things. So I know you have a book that sucked. Now what? And I hate when people are like, what's the book about? Why'd you write the book? Let's go beyond that. Um, the Cole's notes version of, of the story of what brought you to where you are today. And then we'll dig a little bit deeper. Mm, Yes. Well, I mean, gosh, my, to write a book around that suck. Now what I've had to probably go through some sucks and many more than I think, gosh, I could probably have handled, um, in my young life. I feel like I had so much life all before I was 20, so much life all before I was 30. I grew up really fast. So I grew up, uh, in a home actually, uh, right in Chicago, like in the city, been city girl my whole life. And my parents were immigrants. My dad was from India. My mom was from the Philippines. And so, you know, cultural differences, uh, religious differences. My mom was like Roman Catholic. My dad was 
he was spiritual, very spiritual, uh, but the lens of like Hinduism and Sikhism. Uh, and so he, they, they migrated here for the Amer- the American dream, right. As, as, as they would. And I was the oldest of two younger brothers. And so they were tiger parents. They put us in all of the things, piano, ballet, dance, Indian dance, Filipino dance, which was actually Hawaiian dance. So we were well-versed on performing, or at least I was because I was the oldest and my world would totally completely shift after 10 years old. My mom was diagnosed with, um, with breast cancer and that would be the initiation and journey for me. It would be the initiation into, you know, this role of having to take care of other people and the martyr role, et cetera. And so she would go through that journey for six years. And in that time, as you know, you shared, uh, you had your own bout with cancer. So it's a very interesting time as a young person watching your mom go through this. So from 10 to 16, I would spend, you know, my hospital visits in and out of the hospital. We literally would spend our weekends there come back, perform, you know, recital, et cetera, because my mom wouldn't be there. And so she succumbed to that when I was 16. And then over the next three years, I would go through massive trauma. Um, A year after my mom died, my brother, who was a year and a half younger than me, was coming home from school. It was actually my homecoming dance. It was, I was a senior at this point. He was a sophomore and he had an asthma attack and he collapsed and he died immediately right away. They couldn't revive him. And he was the closest to my mom. Actually, this actually happened a year, literally a year after my mom dies. So my mom, my mom dies, my brother dies. And that just shook our family up. Uh, in all of the ways. I mean, it was just unimaginable, unimaginable. It was like, you're in the thickness of this cloud and you're like, how? Because he wasn't sick. Uh, And so two years after that, while my youngest brother, myself and my dad, we are just trying to stay afloat. We're literally in survival mode. And my dad goes into deep depression. I have to get three jobs to support our family. And I stay home. I go to a a college university in my hometown in Chicago and he gets diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And they tell him that he has, you know, nine months to live. He lives up to that diagnosis 10 months in. And so at 19, I am you know, orphaned. I am in charge of my youngest brother who was then 14. And boy, did I have a massive chip on my shoulder. I wanted to make sure that the world would not pity us, uh, that that tiger parenting definitely was instilled in my mind around education success and honestly overworking and over and proving that was like my coping mechanism in my twenties. And so, you know, while, and this is emotionally uncomfortable, I can look back and say, yeah, I was resilient. I was strong. And that's kind of the the basis of the books that I've written and even the life that I've created. 
I was not okay with feeling anger. I was not okay with feeling, you know, sad, even the grief. I bottled it up and I channeled it into accolades, achievement, performance. And I was really good at it. And I thought, oh, I can distract everyone in my family, everyone outside, because I'm doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm striving for quote unquote success until you know, the one area of my life that I was not so good at, and that was my love relationships. And it sucked. It sucked because at my core, I wanted to be loved at my core. I wanted that attention. I, you know, I grew up so fast. I didn't really have a lot of the experiences that my peers or some of my best friends had. And so I would hold on to these relationships, some of them were toxic and they would overlap and overlap. And I would, you know, it was a codependent narcissistic relationship so much so that at the end of my twenties, I would get married. I even became not just a cosmetic, you know, a a general dentist, but a cosmetic dentist bought a practice pretty much right out of school. So I did all of the things uh, that made me look good from the outside, but I would attract the most, uh, incredible and interesting relationship that would teach me about self-love so much so that on December 31st, 2011, I would literally be so afraid of where I was and really afraid of my life because things had gotten so dark, so bad that I had to leave and say no more, no more. And, and the world needed to know these three little words, which was, I need help, that I was done being this emotionally perfect person, that I was done being ashamed, even though it took so much bravery to step out and take whatever I could and leave that house and let my family and friends in, even though they knew, you know, we all know, right? When when our friends are in trouble, when our friends are dating somebody that's kind of off that we don't really approve, And it just took me so long to finally, you know, realize I had to hit my own rock bottom, my own fall, as I talk about in the book to arrive at my own awakening. And that was the beginning of a full dive into my own healing, my own wailing, my own screaming, my own being okay with not being okay, letting you know, I, I had this seven figure business. I wasn't even 30 and I was so fearful and ashamed to come clean and say, I'm going through this divorce. I have everything that's packed up in my SUV right now, even though my name's at the door, I don't know where I'm going tonight. And that, you know, just being able to be seen by other people that changed everything because my assistants were like, you can stay at our house or my, you know, doctors that were working with me were like, we'll try to, you know, cover for you. Like, let's figure this out together. And that was the beauty of my path with vulnerability and just being able to be radically and unapologetically honest. It is so, thank you for sharing that. Um, it is so interesting when we are the quote unquote strong ones, right? Mm -hmm. It like the beauty of just everything comes together. You're the one that takes care of everyone. You're the responsible one. The second you're like, I can no longer do this. 
and you're like, I need help. It sounds like, and I'm curious your perspective, but as soon as you said that, everyone was like, we're here. Oh, 1000%. And that's the one thing that scared me from even admitting that I was in a toxic relationship because my fear was, what are they going to think? Are they going to think I'm broken? And all of these like deep seated wounds of shame and guilt, where when you just release that and you have nothing else to hide, they see you as a human, not as like their boss, not as, and, and, and they're so, it's so relatable because they're probably going through something or they've been through something like that. And that's exactly what I kept hearing. Oh my gosh, my mom went through that, or my sister's going through that, or yes, I totally get it. I have a friend that's going through this right now, or secretly I'm going through that, you know? So we're giving them permission and, and, and that's what starts to unlock the, the bridge that we get to newly create, but it's, you know, it's hard to see that first. Yeah. Um, I can very much resonate with your story. Um, and I'm sure you tracked a lot of people just as I do, who are like some version of yourself, which is, yeah, I'm struggling, but I can't tell anybody else because I have a lot of responsibility on my plate and a lot of people depend on me and all those things. So when you finally said, I need help, I'm curious, how did that feel when you started to receive it? Besides the vulnerability, did you feel lighter? Did you feel like, I can deeply inhale and exhale. What was that like? Oh my gosh. It was a full, full release. Like, wow, I feel safe, safe Mm. for the first time in my life. Like, you know, thousands of bricks were just fully taken from me. Mm. And that was the first moment where I was like, oh, I don't have to have it all together that I could just let it go. And actually I feel safe. And safety was not a word that I grew up with. I didn't even know what that meant. Mm. I didn't know that my nervous system could feel that way. Obviously didn't even have the words to articulate that until, you know, much later. Mm-hmm. And it's, and, you know, I think we talked about this before we press play. It's, it's the duality. It's the, it's the duality of feeling both because I didn't know how bad of of what I was really hiding or the amount of grief or just sadness, darkness that I was in growing up as a young person that I tried to, and you know, the, the small, tiny little crushes in high school or seeing the, you know, coffee guy, the barista winking or whatever would give me slivers of joy as a teenager. But then to see it on the other end in a very different form that, oh, wow, this is another another actual rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And this is the rock bottom that I can, I actually can now like waft in and be in and actually now sit in the suck fully with, you know, the uncontrollable cries and the wailing and the screaming, but not being afraid that I'm going to be judged because at this point I I have this community that's going to support me. Mm -hmm. And that was huge. So how long ago was that? How many years ago? years ago? How many? 11. Awesome. Okay. So 11 years, what would you say the trajectory or like the 
journey has been, because I'm sure there's, it's like the identities, right? Of like, I can be oh, strong yes. and vulnerable. I can, I'm just curious what that has, oh, what that's oh been Oh gosh. Like. Yeah. So I think for the first, you know, for those first five years, I was definitely, I went through, you know, there's a framework I talk about in the book, you know, you, I had that fall and then the ignition and the ignition was all right. I have to just do things for myself. So it was all around self-love, but it was all around having compassion for myself. And then it was kind of, you know, you're in this rising stage where you're like, all right, I'm going to say yes to everything. Cause I had to recreate a whole community friendships. I mean, I left literally everything in that past and I started to unlearn because I dove deeply into so much healing. I mean, from, you know, different talk therapists to EMDR to somatics, energetics. I've always had a love for dance because I grew up, you know, with that and even psychedelics. I mean, it, it, and then sitting with other mentors who were maybe spiritual, whom were not spiritual. I mean, my dad, I grew up with a spiritual household. He would be meditating for three hours doing puja on the weekends on Sundays. We would come as, you know, little kids and run into, you know, his puja altar and take his mala beads and put it around our necks and think it was like a necklace, you know, all of those things. I didn't understand it, nor did I have any appreciation for it. When I was a child, we would go to temple just as a thing that we would do, never really fully embodying what that meant. And then in this whole period of this rebirth for me, I would go to the sacred places in India, the ashrams that he would, you know, when he was a child that he, that I had heard about. So I would go visit there and, you know, in Bali, in Cambodia, I mean, it, to the Philippines. I mean, so many different places where I would have my own spiritual, you know, homage. And then I think, you know, after that five year mark, I was ready to find love again. And, and that was scary. That was scary, Heather, because that meant that I needed to confront still some demons in my closet around, Ooh, do I really want to let other people in? Like I say that I'm being comfortable, but am I actually being emotionally uncomfortable in saying the things that I actually desire in a partner? And that was, that was huge because I would do all of the logistical things. I would have so much logic. I had a whole spreadsheet. If anybody is type A, probably appreciate this spreadsheet. I would rank them from one to 10. I mean, it was bad and everyone would be a 10, but then there was no like chemistry. And, and I was like, but wait a minute, why am I, you know, I'm attracting, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing manifestation and they're amazing on all of these superficial levels. And even, you know, they're ambitious, they're spiritual. There's all of these things. And yet I'm, I'm just not, I'm not in it. Like what is going on? And then I realized I'm like, oh, I forgot to take into account. How do I want to feel? And if I want to feel that I am honest, then I actually have to maybe go first and be honest. If I want to feel brave or vulnerable in this relationship, then Ooh, that, that does not sit well with me, me feeling vulnerable and sharing, Hey, I want to do this dance with you. I want to get to know you better. I want to just be more than just this 
you know, friends with benefits kind of thing. Like it was a whole different language for me that I had to be like, okay, I've got to embody and really share what I really want in a partnership. And that blew my mind because once I started doing that, uh, you know, two months later, I would attract my, my soul, you know, co-pilot partner. And it's interesting because we were in, we had various many touch points in three different countries outside of the U S and we had met each other, uh, you know, several times, not several times, but three different times in those three years. And it was very interesting because, because I was still in my wounded, you know, side of, of, of love that I wasn't even open to it until we were both speaking at a similar conference, uh, in 2016. And then we would say we, this conference was in India and, uh, and, and I would say yes to this adventure ride, however, not being attached to the outcome. And that was the thing, because I think so many times we're like, is this going to turn into something or am I going to do, you know, uh, are we going to do this dance? I don't know. I'm so, uh, I can't trust myself. And so I would go into those modes, but then eventually, um, I said, yes. And then six years later, now we have, we have two amazing babies. I love this. (laughs) Quick word from today's sponsor, Athletic Greens. So if you've been listening to me this year, I've been talking about doing less better and my health is the exact same. I've literally gone through all of, you know, my little habits and routines, and I've decluttered what actually feels hard or difficult or things that I kind of just do like 10%, but I'm not all in with. And one of those was changing how I took my supplements. Um, I am going to be honest. I'm one of those people that resist supplements. So this is why I have committed to utilizing athletic greens on the daily. It's one of those nutritional supplements. It's a green powder. You put it in your water. I literally put it in my water every morning. It's made a huge impact. Um, my boys use it. My husband uses it. And we've been utilizing this long enough in our lives now, probably a year or two that when we don't use it, people start to notice a difference, especially Brian, my husband, he talks about, um, that he actively notices a difference and yeah, it's just one of those simple things you're drinking. You should be drinking water anyway. So I just put it in there and I travel with it all the time. What I love is they have amazing travel packs as well. So Athletic Green is going to gift you a year's supply of immune boosting vitamin D and free travel packs with your first purchase. So all you have to do is head on over to athleticgreens.com forward slash EU. That's it. That's all you got to do. It's simple. It's easy. It's safe for the whole family. And I sneak it in my kids' smoothies all the time. I drink it myself. And then I move on with my day. No stress. Doing less, better. I There's so much in there. First of all, you're a fabulous speaker. Mm. Like the sto- like telling the journey, the story. It's like you can see the the building blocks, right. Of how, who you need to become in order to heal. And then who you, what is required to rise. Um, and I'm curious your perspective on this. And then I want to talk about being brave and all the things I, there's something I talk about. It's like the messy middle, right. You can call it 
sometimes I've called it the brave zone, but I try to use this analogy of people playing double Dutch. Like you're about to, you're watching the ropes go and you like want to jump in the middle, but you're scared of being whipped in the face with the rope. And then you get in and you're like, I made it. I made it. That's what it feels like. Like people listening to a podcast, like they're circling, right? They're they're do they think they're doing the work by buying the books, listening to the podcast, even hiring or taking a course, like, but they're just circling. They're not going in, like they're not feeling it. You can still feel that armor there. I feel it on people, anyways, and myself included, where it's like, gosh, it's right there. Like, how do you do you believe that people are either ready or that it can be cracked? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, oh, totally, totally. And I think, you know, that's the, and that's kind of the the framework that I was alluding to because for so many years, even for myself, you know, I've had many falls and, and that fall is the, you know, it could be the, the medical diagnosis. It could be the, the diet that still doesn't work and you've gained X amount of weight or the, the toxic friendships that you keep attracting. And you're kind of like, why do I have these toxic people who just want to take advantage of me or, you know, business woes, but then we're not looking back at our patterns. There's you know, I, I kind of talk about the bounce factor and, and I talk about that in the book. And one of the reasons why I came up with that, you know, that methodology and that framework was because years ago, when I actually started my journey as an author, I got asked and I was still, you know, I think I still had my practice at the time where I had sold, I just sold my practice, but I'm like, who am I, who am I to, you know, talk about this thing? I had a nonprofit at the time called independent awakening, and it would, it was literally teaching women and girls who were coming from, you know, places of, they were minorities of, of color, women of color, and how to leave violent situations, abusive situations, and to really harness, you know, their, uh, their confidence. Well, it took me to speak to Google. It actually, and, and again, I was like, oh, wait, what, why, how, me? And then it took me to a bunch of moms got hold of my story and they wanted me to come to Palo Alto. And Palo Alto, if you know, it's right outside in Silicon Valley. And this is where a lot of the children from the amazing place of Silicon Valley, where they go to school, high school. And they said that they had lost three kids to suicide that year, that particular year. And they said, you had so much loss in your your young, your youthful days, your your adolescence. Do you think that we need to that that resilience can be learned, or that you know it, you know this helicopter parenting is no longer working? And it was a fascinating discussion, but it had me thinking: like, can we actually create and build resiliency? And just like you're talking about, people in the periphery, they're they're saying yes to the things, but there's part of, it's like one foot in and one foot out in that double Dutch, one foot in and one foot out. And for me, it, it had me go deeper as a researcher and as a, a, you know, a psychology nerd to say, well, what is it that we are not doing? And what is it that people who, you know, face extreme adversity in, in extreme circumstances and situations, how do they actually bounce back? Well, there were four 
different pillars. And one of them is to actually make peace with your past and really start honing in and going and and pulling those threads. You know, what I shared, even in my love life, I said, oh, well, I am attracting all of these people, you know, and, and when I would speak, I had to be very careful when I would speak at domestic violence, you know, places and things like that, which is why I, I didn't uh, end up, you know, cr- continuing that because there's a lot of victim mentality there. In the book, I talk a lot between having a victim mentality and a victor mentality. And there's, there's, uh, there's a difference. You can be a victim in the circumstance, but you can also be a victor in saying, wow, okay, I was in that. And now how can I rewrite that story? And then we can start you know, the doing all of the work and that, and that actually then clicks. The second part of that is what you talk about being able to feel your feels. How can we stretch our emotional capacity, our vulnerability? And the third aspect of this is, you know, really being able to invite and say yes to new experiences and things in my deepest, darkest days. When I said, wow, I don't even know if I have a friend to call on. Like I maybe had one or two and, and before I was, you know, a big extrovert and I had many, yeah, I had a community and I said, okay, if I have to shift and change my community or people that I'm hanging out with, well, then I need to get to know what I actually like. And it was crazy, Heather, because I didn't even know what I liked anymore. I, 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 I had dimmed my light so much that I completely forgot who I am. And I feel like so many women, when they are in the suck or the mud or they're, they're in it, they've kind of consumed, life has consumed them. They forget who they are. Well, my invitation is let's invite good stress. Let's see, like, what do you, do, do you like? pottery, go to a pottery class. Do you like, um, going to the gym, you know, try different classes. And I think for me, it was like saying yes to all of these things that made me feel uncomfortable and being in that uncomfort zone, the discomfort, because that's where we grow. I mean, you know, scientists talk about it all the time. It's like, you're literally rewiring your neurons in your brain. When you say yes to something that scares you, when you say yes to something that's like, Ooh, I don't really want to go to that thing. I don't know who's going to be there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you go and you're like, Oh, okay. Was not so bad. Well, you're already paving the way and creating that with the new neural pathways. Mm -hmm. And then that finally, we have to really lean into what we desire, not what the world is wanting of us. And that's huge. That's your radical self-awareness. And that, you know, I think to your point, if we are able to even strengthen one of those, one of those, we can start flying forward. We can start flying forward past some of these sucky moments that sometimes consumes us for a while. Mm -hmm. Oh man. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. So yes. When I went into, so my background is in social work and I transitioned to coaching and I was like, I was always angry and frustrated beyond my own personal development okay, let's stop talking about the problem. You actually don't have the skills yet to know how to transition, right? Because I truly believe, I mean, people, once they do have the courage to seek support, they're like, yeah, 
I'm in this cycle, like help me get out of this cycle. And there's that growth edge that like push that resistance. And that is so uncertain, right? Where you're like, I know I need change. I'm being told to take these action steps. I am a raging type A. Now I need to become a different person. Not only are you telling me to feel, I can't even identify, is this fear? Is this anxiety? Is this anger? Is it like happiness? Is this joy? What is this? And then people are telling me to follow my intuition and what my desires are. It's such a new language that you have to be gentle with yourself, right? You're just walking this little path. But I love your work in the sense of here you are, feel your feelings, and then let's reach for the future. Let's reach for who you do want to be and that that victim consciousness. But I could only imagine somebody being like, oh my gosh there's hope. There's hope. Like people need hope, right? We can't just talk about, yes, we all have a story. We can't just tell our stories. It's like, and it's my story. And this is not my identity. This is not who, or maybe it is my current identity, but I'm trying to change it, right? I'm actively pursuing something different. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. You know, I think there is when, when we, and oh gosh, I could talk about this all, all day. Like when we say, you know, I am, I am a victim of blank, right. Mm-hmm. Or I am an addict. There's, you know, there's two thoughts to that. It's like, I am embracing this identity. And, and it's also the reason why when I labeled the book, you know, I said that sucked not this sucks. Now what? Because this sucks would be that, yeah, we're all in the suck and we're still in the suck and we're going to be in the suck for a long time. I'm not bypassing either. What I'm actually saying is let's give reverence to what sucked and let that be the thing that we couldn't control, the thing that happened for us, the thing that was there. You still might be in that messy middle, the messy middle, However, we can look back and we can honor it and we can have reverence for what happened. And then maybe that now what it's, we're looking forward. We're looking forward that now what can be imperfect, that now what can be completely different in, in all capacities, but to actually not be attached to the past identity, to hold it in its softness, because many times, yes, it was, it was sucky. It was horrific. It was awful. It was a mixture and amalgamation of all of these emotions, but it doesn't have to be our identity. And, you know, we can actually call in what we are choosing and we may not feel that at that moment. And, and nor am I saying to not feel (laughs) at all. That's not, that's the opposite. What I'm saying is allow ourselves to feel. In fact, I have a whole, um, you know, how do you embrace the suck? It's in part one of the book. It's a, it could be as small as three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. Great. And you might have to do that exercise every day, every week, right? It's kind of like building a muscle, but we're not, when we're moving on, we're not taking that identity of the past. We're, we're, we're really reaching forward to, all right, now that I have the tools, now that I have that self-awareness, now that I know 
ooh, some of the patterns that have triggered me in the past, some of the people that have triggered me in the past, why is that? We're doing our own personal inventory. And when we're doing our own personal inventory, we are paying attention to the tiny, subtle cues so that we can say, ooh, there's that there's that little Nita again that's coming up. Oh, there's there's that part of me that wants to judge. And there's that part of me that was feeling small because that's how I used to feel as the jealous teenager when I was 13. She does not have to come up right now, but I can... I can give reverence to her. I can be soft with her. I can be gentle with her, right? To embrace all of those parts of ourself and to say, okay, here's that, you know, it's kind of the Beyonce, Sasha Fierce. Like she had that alter ego so that she can write and perform these incredible songs in her album. Well, why can't we all have that Sasha Fierce in us that we may not access her all the time, but you know that she's there. She's like that guiding North star that we can attain. And it's, it may not be there every day, but we can call to her. So that's what I would say other. I love it. I could talk to you all day and people are probably listening going, Oh my goodness. I want more of you. So let everyone know where they can get the book, what you have going on. I know you have a podcast, all the things so that they can dive deeper into your work. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, come on over the brave table. We have these brave conversations and you know what it means to be brave in your actions and in your life. And also the book is that suck now what, you know, how to embrace the joy in chaos and find magic in the mess. You can get it at that sucked now what.com. And there's all of these incredible bonuses. I mean, come over there and put your order number in and uh, it actually unlocks a five day healing practice. And it also unlocks a 44 page digital guide. So we go even deeper into the healing process that you can use with your family and your friends as well. Awesome. And the brave table is a podcast, correct? The Brave Table is everywhere you get your podcasts. Yes. Perfect. Thank you so much, Nitha. This has been a beautiful conversation. And I know just like the tip of the iceberg of what's possible for people. Um, and I'm just so grateful that you have had the courage to keep going on your own journey because I know there's so many people who um, are benefiting from your work. Thank you so much, Liz. Did you know you're my favorite? I love my podcast listeners and I want to get to know you better. So I would love for you to head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash chat. This is a way for you to text me, to send me a video um, and to connect with me. So maybe there's something that I said on the podcast, or maybe I might say to you, go text me the word and I'll tell you a word. That's where we're going to do it. So I want you to be able to connect with me. Tell me what other episodes you want me to talk about, um, what your biggest takeaway and aha moment was. This is all about community. So head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash chat. Let's get to know each other. Why are you here? What's your biggest takeaway? What type of supports are you seeking? Who do you want me to interview next? heatherchauvin.com forward slash chat. C-H-A-T.
I sometimes joke that I wish I taught people how to make green smoothies for a living, but I know I'm doing that because I'm trying to run away from what brings me joy. And what brings me joy is helping women and men, families in general, and children feel alive. And sometimes that journey to feeling alive is painful. It's emotionally uncomfortable and it's not always easy. This is why I created the Aligned Life Quiz. So if you're tired of being tired, you want to stop just surviving and you want to find out exactly where to focus and access realistic tools to confidently manage your energy, emotions, and impact, you can head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N dot com forward slash life quiz. It takes you two minutes and it's going to show you. I call them internal leadership skills. Where do you need to focus your energy and attention for the quickest results? And also, which phase are you living in? So head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash life quiz to take the aligned life quiz right now. If you're ready to stop just surviving and you want to start thriving, but you don't know how to manage it all, go there. It will take you two minutes and it will change your life. I also, on the inside, show you which podcast episodes to listen to based on your quiz results. HeatherChauvin.com forward slash life, L-I-F-E, quiz. Quiz.